Welcome to Breaking Down Patriarchy. I'm Amy McPhee Olivest. Here we are at the end of season two of Breaking Down Patriarchy. One year ago, at the end of season one, my husband Eric and I recapped the season by sharing highlights and lessons that we learned from each episode. And today, our beloved Sam Rose Preminger and I are going to do the same thing for season two. Hi, Sam. Hey, Amy. It's so great to have you here today. It's been quite a journey this year. I'm very excited to be here and get to discuss this whole season with you. Me too. I'm really excited. And I want to start by making sure that listeners know that this season couldn't have happened without Sam. And I might get choked up as I talk about it. (laughs) Um, As many people know, my family moved from the Bay Area in California to the mountains of Utah in late 2020. And I was still in grad school in California at the time. So from September until May of this past year, I was flying back and forth from Utah to California. And the time that I was home was spent in the most stressful writing cave of my life (laughs) as I was researching and writing a 150-page master's thesis so that I could graduate. And that's why season two changed formats a little bit, and we solicited contributions from listeners and from people who wanted to participate on the podcast. And this enabled us to share many, many people's experiences, which we were so honored to do. And it had the added benefit of reducing my workload tremendously because I was no longer reading an entire book and writing an outline every single week. But there was still an enormous amount of work to do for season two, gathering contributions, coaching people through the process of editing and writing, scheduling recordings, organizing which pieces could be placed together in composite episodes, and then writing the introductions and the conclusions for every single piece. And that was all work that was done behind the scenes by Sam. So I want to say a huge thank you to you, Sam, first and foremost, for helping to keep the podcast alive this year. And it really was just such an honor and pleasure to work with you also. You are so welcome. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to get to be a part of this incredible project. I've learned so much this year. I'm just so glad that I got to be involved. It's been wonderful. I'm so glad. And I've learned so much this year too. And so the second piece um, on behalf of Sam and myself is that we want to thank every single contributor who made this season so powerful. And thank listeners, too, for showing up to listen and give space and and hold compassionate space for those pieces. And I want to begin today's discussion with the quote that I read on season two's introduction last year. It's by Audre Lorde, and it says, quote, I was going to die sooner or later, whether or not I had spoken. My silences had not protected me. Your silences will not protect you. What are the words you do not yet have? What are the tyrannies you swallow day by day and attempt to make your own until you will sicken and die of them, still in silence? We have been socialized to respect fear more than our own need for language. I began to ask each time, what's the worst that could happen if I tell this truth? Unlike women in other countries, our breaking silence is unlikely to have us jailed, disappeared, or run off the road at night. Our speaking out will irritate some people, get us called bitchy or hypersensitive, and disrupt some dinner parties. And then our speaking out will permit other women to speak until laws are changed and lives are saved and the world is altered forever. Next time, ask, what's the worst that will happen? Then push yourself a little further than you dare. Once you start to speak, people will yell at you. They will interrupt you, put you down, and suggest it's personal. And the world won't end. And the speaking will get easier and easier, and you will find you have fallen in love with your own vision, which you may never have realized you had. And you will lose some friends and realize you don't miss them, and new ones will find you and cherish you. And at last you'll know with surpassing certainty that only one thing is more frightening than speaking your truth, and that is not speaking. End quote. So... Let's begin the episode that way in that spirit of the courage of speaking and recap what these brave speakers have said this year. And the first piece that we aired of season two was from a former Marine. Wait, is she currently in the Marines? Yeah. I believe that she's still active duty. Yeah. Amazing. So Sam, what what was a takeaway for you from that first episode? I learned so much from this first episode. Biggest thing that left out to me that I carried with me though was, um, Our speaker shared all this information around how 
when all the branches of service had begun to integrate women into all service roles, the Marine Corps was the one branch that resisted and did everything they could to fight against this. And that intentional resistance mm-hmm. that wasn't even hiding really shocked mm-hmm. me. Uh, and I've been carrying with me the whole season. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I felt the same way. That was so, that was shocking and so distressing. So we're going to try to move fast through these episodes. And Sam and I were talking before we started about how tempted we will be to dwell on each episode, but in the interest of time, we'll try to move through quickly. So the next episode was Dr. Lindsay Kite of Beauty Redefined. What was one takeaway from Lindsay Kite for you, Sam? Um, Dr. Kite pointed out how not meeting a cultural beauty stand in our society means that we typically assign less value to that person. And it's really that simple. And it's right in front of us. And if we phrase it that way, it's unthinkable that we would choose to participate in that system. Mm-hmm. You know, if any of us were looking at that from the outside, from a blank slate, we wouldn't choose that. And yet we've accepted it as what Dr. Kite phrased as um, a normative discontent was her language, mm-hmm. which I thought was such a succinct way of capturing that. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way all through the episode that she just really crystallized so many issues. Yeah. Okay, so Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife was next. What stood out to you from her episode? So uh, this was a conversation that Dr. Finlayson Fife was having around um, women's connection to their own sexuality and how we've many women have been cut off from it. And I was just so saddened listening to this, thinking about these women, as uh, Dr. Finlayson Five points out, who are engaging in regular, dispassionate, unpleasurable sex um, and being routinely severed from their capacity for pleasure, and that it's all for the sake of patriarchy. Uh, so for me, that really captured the way that we prioritize men's power and pleasure over women's health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is unfortunately a theme that comes up a few more times throughout the season. It does. It comes up over and over again. Um, You know, women, especially in heterosexual relationships in these patriarchal institutions, they feel like when they have sex, something is being taken from them. And it's like a service that they give, which then causes all kinds of problems. Okay, next up was Monette Chilson. So Monette's was a really good companion piece, I felt, to um, Dr. Finlayson Fife's. So we move from looking at the connection to the physical body to spirituality, uh, in this case, talking about the way women have become accustomed to not getting a sense of connection to the feminine divine. So it was hurtful to see the way that those things are still practiced and still kind of hidden from women. But I love that Monette story is a story of rediscovering and reclaiming that spiritual connection. So I really hope that her words are a beacon for other people on similar journeys. Yeah, I agree. Okay, next is Cherie Burton. Yeah, um, so Cherie's piece was about sacred rage uh, and the power that that can have to bring transformation, which I thought was really wonderful. Uh, I love the way that Cherie pointed out that anger has a real effect on the body. Not expressing anger takes a toll on us, not only emotionally, mentally, but on our physical health as well. I really benefited from understanding the need to express anger. That is not something that we can hide from. And it actually has this really transformative potential that people can tap into. Well, I won't repeat what you just said because that was my exact takeaway. How about Anna Rudolph, Sam? Anna Rudolph's piece was like jaw dropping for me, Mm, I have to say. I love it. Um, I don't know if this has come up before, but I really grew up idolizing the chess community and seeing it as this like paragon of the like intellectual might of humans mm-hmm. um, and idolizing these chess players as brilliant people and then realizing when listening to Anna Rudolph that these brilliant people I'd idolized were still so patriarchal. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of flabbergasted by that discovery. I had never realized that competitive chess was mm-hmm. gendered in any way. It is hard for me to process that that's a thing. It makes no sense at all. Um, The only reason I could fathom that you would prevent women from competing is to protect men's egos. So I was so grateful uh, for Anna to open my eyes up to all of this and for her presence in that field and being visible there, helping to create a change. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, next episode that's up is Robert Lashley. This was a really powerful one. What did you think, Sam? Oh, gosh, there was a lot in this episode. It was this, Mm -hmm. I I won't go through all the details of the story, but the biggest thing that uh, stuck with me was Robert discusses having been raised in an abusive home uh, with an abusive father and that his father was never really held accountable for that abuse. In fact, he was seen as, uh, as Robert says it, he was seen as a king in his community. And people decided it was more important to keep that image of this man as a king um, than it was to pay attention to the people that he'd harmed. Um, Robert says this is a, a brutal indifference. And I thought that was a really, a really important way of expressing that. It was inaction that was so brutal in Robert's life. So yeah, that was a really eye-opening episode. Okay, switching gears, the next episode that we had was Emily Bell McCormick. Do you have a takeaway from that one? My biggest takeaway on this one was a really simple quote uh, where Emily just said, equality is not a feeling. It is quantifiable. Mm-hmm. And she's right. Yep. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, okay, next episode, Ariana Balte, who talked about St. Bridget in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, so this was Ariana telling us some of the history of St. Bridget, who is the patroness saint of Ireland. And in telling the story, I felt Ariana did a great job of kind of reframing what classically feminine traits are. Um, she adds mm. into this canon of what is considered a feminine trait, uh, the ideas of being cunning and of being courageous and of being commanding. And that St. Bridget embodies all of this and can expand our lexicon of what it means to be feminine. So I love the way that she reclaims that history and reminds us of this really powerful female figure that's always been a part of the story and was just kind of hidden Mm. from us for a while. Yes, I loved that. And then she was uh, in an episode with Maureen Hernan, who is my friend from Ireland. And that was so fun for me, too, to hear more about her background. And the, the I guess the image that sticks out from her piece was how wonderful her parents were and what a healthy and happy home it was. And at the same time, those systemic things that are kind of hiding in plain sight where, you know, she would do all the outside work with her brothers. But then in addition to that, she was the one asked to vacuum, the one asked to set the table, the one asked to make tea for the dad to you know, when he came in from the outside work. And I, I just appreciated hearing those details. Again, not not blaming that someone's doing this on purpose, but it's just like baked into our culture and we need to just open our eyes and see it so we can do better. The next episode was Vanessa Loader. What were some takeaways from hers? Uh, okay, so Vanessa Loader is a fantastic human being for starters. <laughs> She's dynamite. Um, and in this piece, she's talking about uh, the idea of an inner patriarch, this voice that's inside all of us, kind of self-policing mm-hmm. and reinforcing these norms on ourselves. I think she did excellent work to identify that voice, first of all. And she's right in talking about how people of all genders, not just women, but people of all genders have internalized some beliefs that we need to let go of because we keep these things so close to our heart, even though they run contrary to who we know ourselves to be and the things that make us happy in this world. Mm, I love it. Yes, I love that. So the next episode was by an anonymous contributor, and it was about sister missionaries in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So what did you take away from that, Sam? I'm curious also because for me, this is my you know native territory, um, but for you, this might have brought up some new things for you. This was a completely new perspective for me. Uh, So I was so Mm -hmm. grateful to get to have a window into that world, which unfortunately was not uh, necessarily the brightest view on the other side. But Mm -mm. this so perfectly captured just all of these pressures to perform and present within these extraordinarily narrow boxes that people are given. And I kept coming back to the way that all of that labor and pressure was invisible to the people around her for Mm. the most part, especially the people who were applying that pressure in the first place. So hearing that really just drove home how insidious that system is of setting women up to feel they need to perform and present in these ways, telling them they aren't enough and they need approval. And then the other half of the equation doesn't even realize they're part of an equation at all. Mm, Wow. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Okay, the next 
the next episode was Dr. Beverly Allen, my dear friend and former professor. What did you take away from her episode? Uh, so this was an episode talking about uh, the use of rape warfare. And it was probably, this was one of the hardest episodes. The realities that she describes, though, the use of rape as a weapon of war, the existence of mm. these death camps that she describes she talks about the way she didn't want to believe it at first and listening to it i didn't want to believe it either and that's why i think dr allen's contribution was so critical and so necessary this season because these atrocities did happen um they happened and they still do happen and so dr allen's courage in not looking away from it and moving towards that truth no matter what and just speaking the story was so inspirational I'm really glad that she got to be a part of the season. Mm -hmm. I am too. And I'm grateful also for her shining a light on it. And then there's Heather Renfro. She was the next episode. What did you take away from her episode? Yeah. Um, so this was part of a like larger piece we did on what happens when women are the ones enforcing patriarchal norms. Mm -hmm. uh, and Heather just shared this really concise memory. There was so much to unpack in that very short story. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love that it works up to this wish she has that every child should be secure in their aspirations mm -hmm. without needing to wonder if their gender is going to affect it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, and the next person in this episode was Heather Sundahl. So in this story, um, Heather is talking about how her mother taught her that she was supposed to oppose the ERA, um, Equal Rights Amendment, and encouraged patriarchy in a lot of ways, but still, over the course of the story, eventually kind of reaches a breaking point and decides to make a change. Uh, so it builds towards um, her mother being supposed to distribute some pamphlets encouraging women not to work, basically. Um, and then Heather gives us this beautiful final image of her mother, instead of distributing those pamphlets, setting them on fire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that image of the burning pamphlets at the end. That is the piece that I carried with me walking out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, that was really fantastic that it ended that way. Okay, next comes <laughs> Carrie Salisbury, and she's part of that same episode. And Carrie also shares a really beautiful personal story um, and gets into the ways that she was taught that her existence, her body, her skills, all this really existed for the benefit of men. Uh, but the piece that most stood out for me was that Carrie points out that no one person taught her this, uh, that no one person teaches any of us about patriarchy, and that instead... It's just this ambient thing that all of us have been steeped in, and it's transmitted piece by piece, really in these tiny little slivers, very often unintentionally, from most people in our lives. Mm -hmm. I thought that was fabulous uh, in terms of a great way of explaining that. Such a powerful essay. Our next piece was by Lindsay Hansen Park. So uh, in Lindsay's piece, she's talking about the idea of the subaltern. Uh, and Lindsay is just so intelligent and self-aware as she has this discussion. But what I really loved was her idea of what she calls the sacred pause, which is that when we hear someone express a problem or a pain they're experiencing, we need to pause and ask ourselves where we stand in relation to that problem and what sort of impact our involvement might have. Uh, so I really loved Lindsay, not only pushing all of that into question, but also giving us this really compassionate and practical tool of the sacred pause. I agree. And I, I re-listened to her episode not too long ago and thought this is the perfect kind of introductory episode for season three, where we will be investigating and learning from cultures all over the world, but cultures that aren't our own familiar native ways of being. And so she did such a great job Okay, Shannon Johnson was our next contributor. Yeah, um, so Shannon's piece was about uh, the practice of polygamy within LDS communities. I have to say, I was really taken aback by the way that all these people in positions of authority told her that her own feelings, her own truth, that she was uncomfortable as soon as she heard about this practice of polygamy, they told her that that didn't really matter. Uh, it didn't matter what was in her heart because someday God would force her to change her mind. And that just felt so violating. 
Um, and I'm glad that Shannon goes into it and also provides all this excellent history around it as well to really contextualize what's going on there. Okay, next episode was Jessica Harder. Sam, what did you think? Yeah, so this was Jessica Harder talking about the idea of feminist fairy tales um, and her experiences in the fashion industry. My biggest takeaway, though, was that Jessica highlights this form of patriarchy we don't talk about, I think, as much, where patriarchy pretends it doesn't exist, um, where people are told that gender equity's already been achieved, feminism accomplished, no more need for any work there, and in that way tries to conceal itself. And that was really eye-opening for me, I think just the insidiousness of that, how it conceals the very active repression that still exists was wonderful. And I'm glad that we had a story that really highlighted it. Me too. Okay, how about Bob Reese? Bob Reese was wonderful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I love that Bob opens his essay by talking about how intimidated and afraid men must have been of the divine feminine and of goddess worship, that they needed to build all of these institutions to suppress it. Um, And I was also just really enamored with the way Bob frames learning to practice and expand love as the work of his lifetime. Uh, That commitment to learning and loving is so admirable, I think. And Bob was tremendously um, humble in discussing it and admitting the places he's made errors. So I was so grateful to see that model presented for us. I was too. He is such a a beautiful human being, and I, I just felt so honored. Such a great episode. Okay, next was Gabrielle Blair. Yeah, this was uh, Gabrielle Blair and her uh, Twitter thread on abortion rights. She has this incredible argument she lays out where she really just flips the script on the discussion around unwanted pregnancy and points out that every single unwanted pregnancy is caused by an irresponsible ejaculation, (laughs) as she puts it. And she says this in so many things, just really clearly, really precisely articulates things that I think are, we all know, but we don't say a lot. Like, um, she says, quote, we're raised in a culture that says sex is for men, or that condoms are a joke. And I just mm-hmm. love how clearly Gabrielle articulated these truths, and it just completely changes the conversation when we look at it that way that this really, it mm-hmm. is men's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really compelling. And I just, I'm going to just put a plug in for listeners. If you haven't listened to it, or especially it's now a book that's out. So buy the book. It's called Ejaculate Responsibly. It's such a concise way to, like you said, change the narrative. So I highly recommend that readers read the book, share the book, and write positive reviews about it. Okay, next episode was with Dr. Devorah Gren. This was such a fabulous one, too. I just love every single one of these episodes. But what was the takeaway for you from Devorah Gren's? Uh, So Dr. Gren's episode was talking about the vilification of women historically, and specifically looking at the story of Lilith, who was kind of torn down and distorted into a monster over the years. Uh, but it was just wonderful to see Dr. Gren reclaiming that sacred feminine figure and celebrating her as an archetype of rebelliousness and of freedom that she can see in herself. Uh, so I loved the way that both she pulled this really powerful uh, sacred feminine figure back into the light and is able to apply it to her everyday experience and show how having that figure really matters. Fabulous. Okay, next piece was by Lucy Olibest, whom I know personally and thought was fabulous. But what did you think, Sam? (laughs) I I loved this one as well. Um, This was Lucy telling us about the history of witch trials. I had no idea that in a lot of cases, accusations of witchcraft were tied to the practice of goddess worship. I had never made that connection before. uh, And that was really revealing that those communities were targeted so heavily and made out to be villainous figures. I also hadn't realized that the witch trials so often were used to regulate men's gender presentation as well mm-hmm. and were punishing men who were seen as feminine. Yeah, crazy. Okay, so our next one was an anonymous piece. And I remember that this was a woman who talked about being conceived 
quote unquote out of wedlock, which she says is a term that she's always hated. But what was the takeaway from that piece for you, Sam? For me, this was another great example of the power of changing the narrative and reframing a conversation mm-hmm. um, where our contributor talks a lot about, frankly, how comfortable people were judging her, were comfortable judging her mother, but the men were always let off scot-free. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say one line that I took away too, because it it made me reflect on how I talk about pregnancy too, as she says, many times I've heard people say, did you hear she got pregnant? And my rephrased response is, how dare he impregnate her? That's her quote. And I thought, yeah, that it does. So our next episode was from Lane Anderson, who wrote about Mother's Day. What's the takeaway from that one? I could not believe that this woman who had no children was getting all these Mother's Day messages. <laughs> uh, that was just baffling to me. <laughs> and she's absolutely right when she says that no one would do this to a man. Mm-hmm. No one would send a man without children Father's Day messages. But we have this cultural trend of reducing women to mothers or future mothers. And that is so frustrating and diminishes the possibilities of women's ambitions um, and all the things that they can become. So uh, this idea that women are failing in some way, if there isn't a man and children attached to them, I'd never heard that spoken so clearly before. And it was really true. And it's holding women back. And it's something that needs to change. Absolutely. Okay, our next episode was a two-part composite episode with Ian McAllister and Andy Dunn. What was a takeaway from that one for you? Yeah, there was a lot of great stuff in here. Um, In Andy Dunn's piece, for starters, he begins by framing his conversation about the male experience through a commencement speech that David Foster Wallace had presented uh, called This is Water, which is an analogy of basically... The idea that fish don't understand they are in water. Uh, We are not aware of the systems we are immersed in and breathe in all day. And this has been very similar for his experience of being a man and having male privilege. And then he gives us these 17 examples of male privilege at the end, which I thought was fantastic. I also so appreciated all of those real life examples and the humility and courage that he showed. And what about Ian's piece? Yeah, to touch on Ian's contribution as well. First of all, I love that he was willing to take us kind of behind the scenes into these Mm -hmm. Hollywood boardrooms. Mm -hmm. And that was so interesting to listen to and hear the way that these executives are really still planning and making profit around gender assumptions and prescriptive gender roles. And that took a lot of courage for Ian to speak up about, I think. Agreed. Yeah, that's a great insight from his piece. I so appreciated his contribution too. Okay, the next one was the episode with the Black Menaces with Kylie and Sebastian. Yeah. So this was um, a conversation about the Black Menaces, who are a group doing really active work uh, through social media, mostly, to kind of disrupt oppressive systems every day around them. They just have this really simple tactic of asking questions and in doing so, exposing the racism, homophobia, xenophobia, sexism that we're really bathed in in a lot of ways and don't notice until someone poses that question. Okay, so the next few are from June, from Pride Month. And our first episode in June was with Chloe and Lakshan. What did you take away from their episode, Sam? I was so happy that we got to start off Pride Month with the voices of young queer activists. Uh, That was so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And it was really joyful for me to hear how they're learning to dress the ways they want to dress and feel comfortable loving in the ways they want to love and be themselves. And that they're both finding that happiness and sense of authenticity, but also helping others to reach it as well through their work, Mm -hmm. um, through their work at Encircle, through their personal lives. And it was really delightful to have that really uplifting perspective kick things off for Pride Month. Mm-hmm. I agree. They were wonderful. And I would encourage listeners to look up In Circle as an organization. It's such a fantastic organization that's doing such important work too. Our next episode was from Autumn McAlpin. So Autumn's contribution was in poetry, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, she read a bunch of poems. 
I'll just share a couple of lines from a poem, if that's okay, actually. Mm -hmm. There's these closing lines at the end of her poem, Not Sure, where she's describing how her son, who's gay, is now reckoning with his faith and questioning it. And in the poem, she convinces him to come to assembly only for the keynote speaker to almost immediately say something homophobic. And it's Christmas time in the poem, and the poem ends with this halting image where she writes, quote, He doesn't want to listen to Silent Night, but he still closes his eyes and bows his head when you pray. And I am just overwhelmed with emotions reading those lines. Mm -hmm. I think it was just stunning, and there is something beautiful and painful in that silence she captures, um, the doubt and the way that so many queer young people are just deracinated. They're just uprooted and torn away from their faith. Um, so all of Autumn's poems were so powerful and wonderful, but this piece in particular really stuck with me. Yeah, so many of them stuck with me too. And if listeners are interested, her book has now been published and it's called But Jesus, A Conversation. Um, and it, again, is a book of poetry by Autumn McAlpin. Our next piece was by Colette Dalton. Yeah. Um, so Colette's contribution really uh, was furthering that same conversation of not even knowing the people in your own community are being affected by this. Um, and in her case, she was talking about what a struggle it was to understand herself as a gay woman, um, having been brought up within this really conservative background and then captures what for me was this really poignant sense of loss in looking back at her closeted life and saying, um, quote, I mourn for the me that could have been if it would have been possible to live in a world devoid of patriarchy. And I think a lot of gay people, a lot of queer people feel that same profound but kind of intangible loss so I was so grateful she could give it voice. I thought that was really important to hear. I agree. Okay, our next episode is a composite with you <laughs> and Dami Shoemaker. So do you want to take a swing at that? I definitely have some things I want to share about it. Um, for Dami's piece, I mean, first of all, I was really grateful that they want to be a part of the project and had a wonderful time talking with them. Um, I have to be honest, sometimes I feel like Dami is functioning like three levels above me in their thinking. <laughs> um, but I love that they're describing this idea of what they call decolonizing the mind and really taking a proactive stance to dismantling these, these matrices that we live in, um, the intersections of sexism and classism, racism, homophobia, and more, and deciding to be proactive about breaking down the ways that that affects them and striving to be able to see ourselves without all of these filters, to see ourselves completely and with love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also really appreciated that issue, that topic of decolonizing the mind from Dami. I thought that was really useful. And then from your piece, I had several like images, mental images that stuck with me. And the first one was from the very beginning that the sense of belonging in nature when you were little um, with the frogs. Um, but then hearing um, just the sense, and because I know you, it was just really tender to listen to it. Um, but just that sense as you got older that you didn't belong. Uh, it was just so powerful, Sam. And I, I know I told you this before, but I, I so appreciated and loved and was humbled by every piece that was submitted, but yours was the one that um, really, I think, moved me the most and helped me to grow the most. But I was so grateful to feel that, I mean, it was just heartbreaking to go through the difficult parts of your journey, but then to feel the sense of joy and peace that you seem to have now. Anyway, so many eye-opening things, Sam. I cannot thank you enough for that beautiful, beautiful piece. <laughs> okay. Can we talk about someone else now? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. I told, I told Sam before we started that they're not allowed to self-deprecate or to like deflect. <laughs> so trying really you're hard. Probably feeling... <laughs> okay, we'll move on. Okay, next episode was Nanette and Dee. Yeah. Um, so this was uh, Dr. Nanette Gartrell and Dr. Dee Mosbacher. They're just both such phenomenal figures in terms of 
their contributions academically, their contributions to creating awareness for queer community through writing and films and speaking. Um, but more than anything, I have to say, it was just, this was our last episode of Pride Month. And I was so grateful that it ended uh, really with a queer love story that wasn't a tragedy. It has a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And that was so delightful to get to end on that note. Yeah. Wow. I mean, just heroes. I felt just so grateful. Okay. So switching gears, our next episode was from Teresa Beauchamp. Yeah. Um, so this was actually um, a two-part episode. We had Teresa mm-hmm. Beauchamp and then Dellen Rule, who wrote speaking in this episode mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the act of resistance, really. Uh, if it's okay, I'll talk about kind of both pieces at once. Um, yeah. Great. Because I loved hearing these two very different stories from people of different backgrounds, different genders, different ages. Uh, But both Teresa and Dellen felt called to action by the injustice around them and found ways to contribute that aligned with their personal beliefs and abilities. Um, For Teresa, this was phone baking and political organizing and marching. And for Dellen, it is using performance and their musical talents and even acting as a security for vulnerable people. And I love that Both of them found these places that they could fit in. Um, You know, it's so easy to look at these giant problems and think there's nothing we can do or to get overwhelmed by it. And instead, both these contributors just started from where they were. Hmm. I love it. That's fantastic. Okay, next up was Amelia Hapgood with Patronymics. What do you think of that one? This was such a fun episode. Um, Mm Hmm. So this is where Amelia is talking to us about the practice of women being expected to take their husband's names. And she makes it clear how this convention would really strip away a piece of her identity that she cherishes. So she refused to participate and bucks that expectation. And I remember when working with Amelia, I'd actually questioned her briefly, kind of pointing out that the name she was defending and was so important to her was itself a patronym, um, having been passed down through the men of her family. And she turned around and said, uh, I wasn't around back then when patronymics began, but I'm here now and I can do my mm-hmm. part to break down the tradition. And mm-hmm. I really, I loved that response. That was perfect. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. we can't go back and fix everything, but we can certainly fix what's here today. Yeah, I was grateful too. Okay, next episode was Holland Anderson. Okay, so this was um, Holland's episode talking to us about uh, the Miss World Beauty pageant. Getting to really get into the details of it was so eye-opening. Getting to really hear about what this industry was like in the 60s and the 70s especially. And then getting into the ways that Holland's grandmother, Kiki, um, who was this um, beauty icon, was able to forge a path for herself where really no one had done the work before. So that courage was so encouraging to hear. Uh, and I was really grateful that Kiki's story is a story about taking her platform and using it to fight for women's freedom. Yeah, I love it. Our next piece was from an anonymous contributor also. Um, Yeah, so this was our two-part episode with uh, Emily Prado, an anonymous contribution that was looking at uh, memory, really looking at how memory functions, uh, especially how painful memories can impact the way we perceive ourselves and our past. The episode opens with Emily Prado's contribution, I believe. Um, So I adored her essay, uh, but what I really, my biggest takeaway from that piece was outside of the essay itself, uh, Emily just spoke freely for a little bit and brought up this idea that patriarchy is within this umbrella of white supremacy from her perspective. Uh, So for her, really focusing on the larger global construct of white supremacy is a way to then combat its byproduct of patriarchy. Uh, And then the second part of the episode, our anonymous contribution, um, shared this really tender story of being raised in an explicitly patriarchal home, uh, this time a home that was haunted by abuse from an angry father. And for me, I was just so impressed by the way the contributor manages to pause and recognize that Within these painful memories, it's not just the result of an individual person. This wasn't a man with anger problems that was the issue necessarily. 
that this was an entire family that was suffering dysfunctions caused by systemic patriarchy. Uh, and that's not an easy perspective to reach. Uh, it's so much easier to leap to blame and anger and to see someone stepping back and being able to approach these difficult memories with clarity and love was really tremendous, I felt. Thanks, Sam. That's, yeah, I I really agree. And the next piece also was difficult and another anonymous contributor that was voiced by Julia Alora, I think. Can you tell us about what you thought about that one? Yeah. So this was kind of looking at patriarchy in different church communities. And I remember this episode opens with uh, an anonymous story about the practice of accountability partners, um, Mm -hmm. which is the Mm -hmm. system where teenagers are encouraged really to police one another for their quote unquote sins. And at the same time, while doing this, also creating this kind of outward shield for the community that from the exterior, it looked like just well-mannered, wholesome children. Um, And that's something that happens often, that we conceal patriarchal abuse beneath these layers. Um, In this case, the abuse specifically was from a pastor um, making sexual advances on young women and then using his power to silence them. Uh, And I love that this story builds up to the contributor finally speaking about it, speaking out, warning women who were close to this person that this is a predator and you need to be careful. Uh, It's so difficult to break through that silence. So I love that this is a story where someone managed to shatter it. I did too. Okay, our next episode is with Kathy Barbini. Uh, So this was a a larger story. This was um, really Kathy's story, her mother's story, uh, and the story of this larger community that she brings together. Mm -hmm. Um, And through it, we see the way that her mother got pushed away from religious communities by the patriarchy that was there. And that leaves Kathy on this spiritual journey where she was just, from my understanding, really frustrated over and over again by the patriarchal norms she kept finding in these different religious communities. Yeah, so true. Okay, our next episode was the two-part episode on patriarchy in the arts and the sciences with Shannon Christie and then Josie Holiday-Porter. What were some takeaways from those pieces? This was a really fun episode. Uh, Both Shannon and Josie were so wonderful. Um, Shannon's piece on creativity and creative generative power of anger really kind of saying to me in a way, in particular, there's this moment where she notes how in all of these museums and galleries we see art that is depicting women's bodies and almost none of it was made by women it is male Mm -hmm. artists benefiting from depicting female bodies and then Josie's contribution was fantastic as well Um, talking about being a kid and growing up loving math and science but being so consistently pushed back against for that love um, and really pushed down every step of the way and I love that she pursued it anyway. Mm-hmm. So. That was such an interesting episode to me, too, with the arts and the sciences on both sides. I learned a lot from that. Okay, next up was Jesse Iacono. I thought this essay was so clever. Um, just in its mm-hmm. formatting alone, Jesse breaks up her story into these sections based around the titles of Billy Joel songs that kind of capture the spirit of her experience each time. But this was a difficult story. I remember the middle sections in particular where she deals with uh, the illness of an infant were just, it was really heavy on my heart having to hear that. But Jesse manages to move through it, through this challenge and so many others uh, with this incredible resolve and self-compassion that she develops uh, through the course of the essay. And it was wonderful. It was it's beautiful getting to see the way she learns to take care of her health, her physical health, her mental health, to listen to herself. And kind of shut down the ways that the world has tried to tell her there was something wrong with her and tried to tell her there was something broken. And she just refused to listen to that and has dedicated mm-hmm. herself to healing and transformation. So I thought that was stunning. Uh, and again, I, I kept getting Billy Joel's song stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so great. So great. Okay, next up is Reese Harper. Yeah. This was a bit of a headier contribution, I felt, uh, talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the idea of self-actualization. 
This interview for me, though, really drove home the cost of patriarchy for men. Uh, Reese talks about having been socialized to feel that his only sense of value and identity was his work and what he could provide to others. And this really, it eroded his sense of self, it sounded like, um, and denied him the opportunity to get to be a better partner, to be a more present father in some of the early years of his children's lives. He talks about how that's something he can't ever recover. There's no taking that back. And I'm thankful he's able to admit it and bring that out into the light because these patriarchal structures don't bring balance or fulfillment to anyone involved. So yeah, I, I hope Reese is able to continue seeking that sense of balance in his life. It sounds like he's really dedicated to it. Yeah, yeah, that's the neat thing. It is. It's really inspiring to hear him say, okay, well, going forward, we're going to do this differently and better. So it's it's really great. Okay, Susan Warren was next. Oh, boy. Oh, this story. This was one of the more challenging episodes to listen to, but I appreciate that it just confronted abuse dead on without really any cushioning. I, I thought Susan showed tremendous strength in persevering through all of these hardships. And I was really bolstered that she chose to end her story with a note of hope. And it was not mm -hmm. idealism or this sugar-coated ending or saying everything's going to be okay. But she still has this very honest optimism for other women in abusive situations that there is a way through and you aren't alone. Yeah, I agree with that. And the other contributor in that episode shared a story of abuse also with just devastating, heartbreaking details, but also a sense of just resilience too. That was Red O'Hare. What was the takeaway from Red's piece? Red is a, an incredible writer, I felt. And those final paragraphs, again, she is mm -hmm. angry. You can mm -hmm. feel the anger in her writing, but she channels it into using that energy to protect other people who are in similar circumstances and say, you are not alone. I have your back. Um, if you are in trouble, reach out. Um, don't be silent about it because I guarantee you are not the only one to be having this experience. Um, so this this was a hard one, but it thought it was a really critical episode in the season. I agree. So, so important. All right. Our next episode is by Caitlin Zivanovich. Caitlin's contribution was phenomenal. There were so many examples she provides of real institutionalized patriarchy in our military. Yep. The biggest takeaway for me was I'd never considered the Marines in relation to the other branches of service in the way that she talks about it and how what really sets the Marines apart is this intentional PR campaign they created to make them the manliest branch of the military. Mm. It was shocking to me that that was built on cutting down the other branches uh, and really insulting them in these terribly demeaning ways. They would insult the army and the navy and the air force and say that they were not real men and use these sexist and homophobic campaigns to paint them as weak. And that was wild to me to hear and realize just how intensely patriarchal a culture the Marines have that they would be willing to demean other service members in that way. Um, so that was just one of the many examples Caitlin provides um, of this really hyper-masculine norm that the Marines have accepted. But I love that she's still so dedicated to this branch of service. That was really beautiful. You can tell she absolutely mm -hmm. loves it and loves the people mm -hmm. that she's worked with there and is determined to improve it. It's not just going to walk away from this problem. That's right. And that's, I mean, that's something that comes up in lots of different institutions that will have contributors talking about the complicated relationship that they have with an institution that they love and want to see improve, right? And, you know, there will be people that say, it's too horrible, I'm walking away. I'm walking away from the Marines, or I'm walking away from the Catholic Church, or I'm walking away from this relationship. And sometimes that's appropriate, and only that person knows what's healthiest and what they feel called to do. Um, and so there's courage in those who choose to walk away and there's courage in those who choose to stay in their institution and say, no, I, I want this to be better and I want to be a part of that improvement. And I, I think it's inspiring both ways. Our next episode was from Tiffany Sobey. Yeah. So this was our, our part one of stories highlighting the experiences of women in the LDS church. 
And I don't want to comment too much because I'm an outsider to this community. I really enjoyed listening to the episode, but I would be more curious what your perspective on it was. Yeah, my takeaway from Tiffany's piece was the quote, speak your mind even if your voice shakes. Um, And she talks about speaking up in all of the the meetings that she was going to where women in, in these kind of planning meetings when you're talking about the running of the congregation, women are very much in the minority and it's hard. It's hard to speak with a dissenting voice. And so I, I really loved that quote. And I think that's something to keep in our pockets and remind ourselves. And then our next piece in that episode was from Chelsea Homer, who is a, a dear friend of mine. Um, and also just, yeah, really brave. And one part that I loved of her essay was that she says, we're not training our kids to listen to or respect our women like we do for our men. How could I listen to and respect other women when I don't even listen to and respect myself? So this is an issue that comes up over and over again on the season, right? Sam, I mean, we talk about like decolonizing our minds um, and that patriarchy gets inside us. So we need to learn to push back against those voices. So I loved Chelsea for bringing that out. And then the next uh, contributor was an anonymous contributor. Uh, One line from this anonymous piece that I took away also was she said that she was in a meeting with a church leader who did not support her in a way that, that was appropriate or just. And she said, this was the first time I realized that being nice doesn't always mean being right or doing the right thing. Okay, our next episode was with Dr. Julie yeah, Hanks. So this was um, Dr. Julie Hanks talking about a term I believe she coined of aspirational shame, um, which mm-hmm. she defines as the belief that desires for achievement outside of the home or the family means that you're not a good person. Uh, and it's really clear that this aspirational shame is a very common occurrence, especially so among girls and women who are just socialized and really groomed in some cases to attach their sense of value to family and the home and shamed for anything beyond that. So I was really grateful Dr. Hanks could identify this and name this phenomena so we can have a more accurate conversation about it and how we can combat it. Mm, Here, here. I agree. Okay, next was Katika Roy, who talked a lot about uh, the workplace. What was a takeaway for you from yeah, that episode? I thought this was a fantastic conversation, and Katika made some fantastic points here, um, like the fact that we still have this huge gap between the values CEOs will claim they represent and the lived experience of then the employees within these companies, uh, and that we need to change the narrative and start to see gender equity is actually a means of maximizing shareholder value, as she puts it. Um, It is not oppositional Mm -hmm. to profit. Equity and profit can, in fact, kind of go hand in hand. And that's the work that she's doing uh, with her organization, Pipeline. Uh, And I love that she is out there trying to eliminate that false perception and close gender gaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also really appreciated that. So our next episode was a three-part episode that featured a piece from Monica Rogers and then an anonymous contributor and Shelby Neal. What were some takeaways from their pieces, Sam? Yeah, this was another real standout episode for me. It was our episode on feminist awakenings. Uh, So we heard from, as you said, uh, Monica Rogers, Shelby Neal, and an anonymous contributor, and they all had these amazing stories about developing their feminist consciousness. And while all of them were really unique stories, what stood out to me, I think, was that in each of these, there are these moments of transformation. Um, In some cases, it was finding new self-confidence or a new sense of self altogether. Uh, But also sometimes these changes cost our contributors friends or challenge their faith, which is just to say that while these stories are also emboldening, I also really appreciate that they didn't present the process of awakening as simple or a peaceful path to walk, but as one that's worth walking nonetheless. I agree with that. And I think each one of them gave me at least one, in some cases several, nuggets of wisdom 
So the next episode was the one on Saudi Arabia with Cammy and Liz. What was a takeaway or two yeah, from that one for you? this was such a joy to work on. Liz and Cammy's conversation was so entertaining and informative. And again, this was so great to get a peek into a part of the world that it's unlikely I'd have ever really gone to see without them. And it wasn't at all what I expected I would find there. So a personal favorite for me was they tell a story about going out for a nice dinner while wearing pajamas underneath an abaya. Uh, that was my favorite yeah. part, personally. <laughs> um. That was so great. And for me, I remember them talking about just all the red tape uh, the, and barriers to jump over in order to get driver's licenses. Like you finally can drive there, but it is so hard to get a license that I'll remember yeah. that forever. Okay, the next episode was from an anonymous contributor who talked about domestic violence, and that was a really rough one. Yeah. What's the takeaway for this you? This one really left me kind of breathless. Um, and I, I don't want to go too deep into the details here, but I I'll say one moment that really stood out for me was this contributor describes a moment fairly far into her story um, where she finally decides to report a rape to her local police department. For her, reporting this rape meant going into a station and being directed to an old-fashioned corded phone on the wall and being told to repeat everything that had happened to her into that phone to relive her whole ordeal in front of this busy room of people. The idea that this was what she was greeted with, that this is how indifferent and insensitive we've let ourselves become towards a woman reporting rape, I just... That image of the phone on the wall, I think, is going to stick with me for a really long time. I agree. Really, really important piece and so much courage that this writer showed in writing out her story. Okay, our next episode was with Rachel Greenlee in Iceland. Tell us about that one. I loved how in this episode, Rachel not only took time to share her own experiences, but brings in the experiences of local Icelanders and does some interviews with them. And it was fantastic to see an example, uh, even an imperfect example, of how a country can close gender gaps. But it was also really important, for me at least, to realize that all of these liberties that women enjoy in Iceland weren't freely given. Uh, that Iceland is so celebrated uh, and is at the top of the world gender gap index, not by accident, but thanks to the work of specifically there the red stocking movement and thanks to the work of feminists and their allies who demanded that better system for themselves mm -hmm. i that was a, a really powerful interview okay our next episode was with carrie who talked about witchcraft yeah uh, so i was so happy to get put in touch with carrie and she was delight to talk with and really helped me reframe my whole understanding of what witchcraft is in general, she really reframed witchcraft as an intentional response to patriarchy, um, saying it's a phenomenon which exists almost exclusively because patriarchy demanded an oppositional force stand against it. Mm. So I was really grateful that she was there and willing to share all that with us because I would have never gone to know any of that without her. Mm -hmm. That was so powerful. Okay, the next guest was Carol Lynn Pearson. And I have to say a word about that one. For me, the thing that stood out for me the most from that episode is she's so, she has a very gentle energy. But when she started talking about polygamy, she turned into a dragon. And it was really, really powerful for me. And I think for other women who have grown up with the ghost of eternal polygamy haunting us, it was really powerful to hear her condemn the practice so vehemently and unequivocally and call it spiritual violence. That was very powerful to me, and I think really healing for women to hear and validating. Okay, next, Alexandra Botez. That was a fun interview, and yes, for you and I who are both connected to chess, that would have been an interesting one too, like Anna Rudolph. What did you think of that one, Sam? Yeah, I thought this was a really wonderful companion piece for Anna Rudolph, actually. Uh, but what really distinguished Alexandra's interview was that she talks about her work as a streamer on Twitch as well. Mm -hmm. And I was just so impressed by the way Alexandra has managed to cultivate a respectful community on that platform. Uh, she also made it clear that that took a lot of work, but it was really wonderful after that initial shock in Anna's piece of like, oh no, the chess world still has so much prejudice in it to turn and see that there are these respectful communities within that subculture. 
Um, and with practice and attention and care, you can develop those populations that see you as you want to be perceived, respect you as a player in this community. Yeah, that's great. Okay, next. Oh, Eric Olibest and John Ogden. Oh, boy, did I love this episode. I thought it was so great. I mean, I know I'm biased, but even so, I thought this was such a powerful um, couple of essays. What did you think, Sam? I completely agree. So yeah, in John's essay, uh, he brings up this fantastic question of really how do we introduce wisdom texts to the next generation without recreating the male centricity we experienced in these texts growing up. Uh, and while he doesn't come to necessarily a clear solution on this, I love that he reaches to all the potential solutions. You know, we can reclaim some old texts, we can bring in contemporary perspectives, we can pull from wherever we need to. The important thing is just that we make sure the next generation knows to look to women for wisdom as well. Mm-hmm. And then Eric's essay was so clear and humble and humorous. Uh, He's discussing a very serious subject, of course, but it was just a joy to listen to by the nature of Eric's personality shining through it. Uh, And his list of seven concrete things men can do at the end was a fantastic tool. I love that he created that for everyone and offered it back to the world. And I will just say I hope the men listening were taking notes. (laughs) I hope too. I hope so too. And I'm grateful too. I just will say again how grateful I am for all the men who participated in the season. And I'm grateful for every single human being, regardless of gender, who's willing to to do this work and show up. Um, So particularly grateful for that. Okay, next, Natasha Helfer. Oh, uh, so this was a fantastic interview, um, which actually started from a poem. Mm -hmm. Uh, It starts from a poem that Natasha had written and really lays bare the hurt which patriarchy has caused her, the ways it damaged her relationships with her father, with her husband, with her faith. And then it builds to this beautiful declaration at the end that she is choosing love and she is choosing freedom. Uh, In her own words, she is, quote, goddess from within. And it was just such a stirring way to begin an episode. And that was just the setup for your discussion, actually. Yes, that was such a powerful poem and such a fantastic episode, too. And then the next episode, too, was more, Mm -hmm. and I I guess this was kind of a series of Mormon women. Um, This next episode had three contributors, Ashmae Hoyland, an anonymous piece, and then my sister, Courtney McPhee. And I just loved this one as well. What did you think, Sam? Yeah. For me, it was a look into a somewhat unfamiliar world, so I don't want to comment too heavily, but I will say confidently that Courtney's refusal to believe in a God that would heal on behalf of men, but refuse to do so for a woman, or Ashley May's discomfort with the practice of pushing little girls to wear wedding dresses and to only think of themselves as future brides, I definitely felt that these contributors were certainly right to feel discomfort with these practices and to push back against them. Mm -hmm. And then the middle story from our anonymous contributor this episode was just so devastating. It was one of the very few stories which sadly didn't end on an optimistic note this season. I do want to add something here because I noticed the same thing. And this is a person that I know personally, actually. And she just wanted to report, she said I could share it, that writing it out and seeing how much her body has been through (laughs) helped her to fight back against it. And she says that when she hears now, when she hears her inner voice speaking unkindly to her body, she says, I love you. I trust you. And I was so heartened to hear that and to be able to report that, that, you know, the beginning of that episode says like how, well, the beginning and the end, it's framed by saying my body will never trust me again. And she says she's starting to kind of regain a healthy relationship where her body trusts her. So I was very pleased to hear that. I'm so happy to hear that as well. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, next episode was Kaisa Berlin-Kaufusi. This was a powerful one also. This really was. We'd heard so many uh, painful stories about the effects of patriarchy within the LDS church. But then here we get to pause and say, okay, this institution has caused harm and it needs to change. Here's how we can do that. Here's how we can stop that hurt. I won't go into everything that Kaisa suggests, but just in general, she brings forward these ideas of 
having more women in leadership roles, uh, using more gender-inclusive language, embracing the idea of the goddess, of a divine mother. And while, I, again, I'm an outsider, this certainly sounds about right to me. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. And I was just, I was so happy to see Kaisa stepping forward to advocate for the change that her community needs and taking the risk to do that. Yep, I agree. Okay, next episode was Lauren Praka and Shauna Wrench. These two were fantastic paired together too. What did you think, Sam? Uh, yeah, I thought this was a wonderful piece. Having Shauna first walk us through how her mother had really fought to shield her and her siblings from generations of patriarchal tradition and break that cycle. And then for Lauren to present this really clever new tactic for how to create those changes of introducing radically new ideas and approaches and shake us out of old habits uh, and really just tie things off with this very practical way of how we can manifest the changes we want to see in our lives. Yeah, that was powerful. And then our next episode was about Hanukkah, which I loved, from Rabbi Person. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Sam? Yeah, this was a really delightful episode for me. I was so happy that Rabbi Person agreed to join us and just excited to get to share this one. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, I was just excited that Rabbi Person got to encourage listeners to engage with this custom I'd been raised with, which is the practice of questioning our stories. Um, of being encouraged to add our own perspective and our own interpretations to the layers and layers of interpretation that already exist and really find our own meaning, our own wisdom that we need from these ancient texts. I was just going to say, I love that tradition in Judaism. I think it's so powerful and important, and hopefully people of all faiths or no faith uh, can adopt that. But just being in conversation with other human beings throughout the ages and uh, finding new ways to make old stories work and, and relevant in our lives today. I loved it. And then our final <laughs> official episode for the season was Dr. Kristen Neff, who talked about her book, uh, Fierce Self-Compassion. This was just a stunning conversation. Kristen introduces this idea of there being two varieties of self-compassion, really, the fierce self-compassion and tender self-compassion. You know, telling us that tender self-compassion is probably what we're used to. It's nurturing, it's caring. Um, it's like a mother looking after her child in a way. But then this fierce self-compassion, this mama bear compassion, that was incredible. I never thought of it that way before, that sometimes being kind to ourselves, caring for ourselves, means standing up for ourselves and the people around us. That anger, that ferocity is a necessary part of us. And it does not have to be a cruelty. It can be a kindness. Mm, beautifully said. And I agree. And that brings us to the conclusion. Woo! That was a marathon. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Thank you again for all of your work in creating this season. Thank you to each and every contributor. And thank you to listeners for sticking with us throughout the season. I learned so much and feel just really, really honored and thrilled with the content that was produced and, and how much I learned. So, so grateful. And thanks, Sam, for being here today and, and recapping just a tiny fraction, really, of all of the wisdom that was shared by people this season. But yeah, thanks for doing this with me. This was really fun. Thanks so much for having me. I wish I could speak on and on and on about all of these episodes, but folks will just have to go listen to them. Yes, that's right. And go back again, even uh, like I said, I, I learn again each time I listen to them and share with others. And make sure to join us again next time when I'll be introducing season three of Breaking Down Patriarchy. It will be a region by region study of patriarchy all over the world. And I'm so excited for all the growth and learning to come. So make sure to join me for the beginning of the journey next time on Breaking